I'm, punch, I'm punching it too many times. All right. Well, I want to encourage everybody to get on Netflix um, after church. And uh, I kind of want to watch that show now. Um, I haven't watched it. But uh, week four, Complaining Cure. Yeah. How many people are excited? Just a handful of us. All right. How many people are dreading today? It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not going to be that bad. I promise. I promise. Um, actually, though, could I have the lights turned on? I got, I'm kind of getting used to seeing everybody. Um, it just makes me feel a little at home. Uh, Lindsay, actually, I, I want to be honest with you. So Lindsay sits in the front seat, or front seat, the front chair right here, um, because it, it keeps me in check. So she's not here. Uh, she had to go home because Otto is sick today. Um, so she is actually going home right now to go be with him. And, um, so I'm going to be out of control cause she's not there to give me the look, um, <laughs> that I, that I need, uh, to keep me in check on some things. Cause sometimes I go down a road and she's like, and I was like, okay, I'll just go back on my track. So week four, no, it doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't work either. Uh, so week four, the complaining cure, how many people have found that this week, um, how many people have experienced something this week or during this series that has made you check yourself on complaining? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can tell you exactly. Um, I can tell you exactly what got me this week um, was a phone call from school uh, to let us know that somebody in Otto's class had tested positive for COVID. And then five minutes after getting off the phone, Otto spiked a fever. And I was like, here we go. And uh, they did inform us, though, since I'm in my 90-day window, I don't have to quarantine. So that is why I'm here today. Um, but uh, Otto is doing well. He had a fever for about a day. And then uh, he's, Otto, how are you? I'm good. I'm like, you, uh, you, he's been staying in his room. And he, he's like, can I come out of my room now? And I'm like, nope, not until Wednesday. And he was like, okay can I play video games? And I'm like, ah, sure. But how many people know that sometimes with your kids, when things happen to them, it's easy for you to complain. And uh, the teachers were very apologetic, not that it was their fault. And we were like, no, it's honestly, it's fine. Um, we're, we're good. Um, now we're just, we're all good. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's easy to complain. Just last night, I found myself complaining. Um, if there is a team that you want to lose this year, Please let me know because I will root for them and they will lose regardless of how well they're supposed to do because I chose the Packers to be my team this year since I don't really now come on. Why does everybody we're in Northern Michigan. We are closer to the Packers than we are Detroit. Okay. So they're supposed to do well and I chose to root for them last night. And I'm sorry because they lost by three. So if there's a team you want to lose. Just let me know. And I'm going to be a diehard fan for them until they lose. Um, stop it. Uh, so if you guys don't want to see Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, let me know. Yes. I will root for him. Watch. He's going to actually end up winning all the way. I've just, now that I've said that, but let's get back to the complaining cure. <laughs> Cause I will complain. Uh, the question today is, what do we do about complaining? 
right? Has anybody found yourself in the last four weeks asking yourself, okay, I'm hearing all of this stuff, but what do I do? Anybody? How about the question of how do we stop partnering with the enemy and building the strongholds in our minds? Did anybody ever ask yourself that question? Right? Uh, can we tear down the strongholds that have already been established? Anybody ask that question? How many people know that having a stronghold in your mind can feel like it is absolutely something that you will never tear down? Right? You go through things, and there's this repetitive thing that you continuously think, and you feel like this is just who I am. This is how it's always gonna be, right? Um, how about this one? Can we stop the cycle of complaining, criticizing, and arguing? Anybody ask that question? I've asked that question every week because something inevitably happens in my home that makes one or all of us become critical or start to complain or even start to argue, right? Okay. How about this one? Can we establish new thinking? Anybody would like to think new things, have a new, uh, a, re a renewed way of thinking in Jesus's word in Matthew or in Jesus's words in Matthew 19, verse 26, he says this, Jesus looked at them and said with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. How many people have ever tried to change something in your life, but you left God out of it? Were you successful? right? This is the, one of the first fasts that I honestly can tell you. I looked at my wife and I said, Lindsay, I know this fast is over today, but I think I'm going to keep eating this way because I feel good. It could be the fact that I can't taste still. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm putting in my mouth, but I'm eating things that are green and I've never done that before. Right? I'm eating this thing called yakamole. Um, I mean, guacamole. I hate guacamole, but for some reason, I'm like, this is good, right? I'm eating a thing called hummus. It's good. I don't know what's wrong with me. Something has happened. But I looked at Lindsay and I said, I think I might keep eating like this. I feel really good. And she's like, good, because I love this stuff. And I was like, I know. I'm just like you now, right? <laughs> and she's happy about that. She's trying to get me to do this for a long time. But here's the thing. It is impossible to do things on your own without God's help. It's impossible to change your mindset and your stinking thinking if you're not willing to let God help you change, Right? Okay, only a handful of you. I'm a little concerned now. You can't change your mindset and your thought process and your complaining issues and your criticizing issues if you're not willing to let God be God. That's the reality of this thing is I can tell you all the great things that I have read in a book. I can, I can share with you Bible verses that back up what I'm saying, but until you actually make the decision to change and allow God to be the one to change you, it's not going to happen. Right? And that's where we're at today. <clears throat> the Greek translation for the word everything means 
both individually and collectively, each, every, any, all, the whole, everyone, all things, everything. That's the Greek meaning of everything. But how many times do we say everything, but we really don't mean everything? Where we say, God, you can have it all, but we don't really mean have it all, <laughs> right? God, you can, you can just have your way and not this though, right? You can change everything that you want to change, God, but not this thing, God, right? We find ourselves in this position. So basically it means this. You have to allow God to step in with no exceptions, no limitations, no restrictions, no exclusions, and no loopholes. And that's not easy. Folks, I'm up here and I'm telling you that it's not easy for me. Last night I had a moment with, with Nikolai because Nikolai is sleeping in a different room and that's weird for him. And he's struggling with it. He's like, why do I have to do this dad? And I'm like, well, because your brother's sick and I don't want you to get sick. And he's like, okay. He was up until like 1030 last night because he's in a new spot. And so I got down on his level and, and I, I, I looked at him and God's been dealing with me with a lot of things in this, this fast. And I appreciate it. Um, but it's a lot. And I got down on my knees and, and I put my forehead on his forehead and his little eyes are like right there looking at my eyes. And I said, you know, buddy, I love you. And he's like, I love you too, dad. And I was like, you're a good boy. And he's like, you're a good dad. And I was like, all right, I see where this is going. How do I make this work from my advantage? No, I'm kidding. But I, but I, I sat there and, and I told him, I said, buddy, <sighs> Can I, just, can I just tell you something? And he was like, yeah. And I said, first of all, can you forgive me? And he's like, why? And I'm like, because I, 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 I can be critical. And he's like, what does that mean, Dad? And so I have to explain what that means. And I said, and sometimes I complain about things that you do. And he was like, right? He knew what that meant. And I was like, I just want you to know I'm sorry. And he was like, I forgive you, dad. And I was like, but, but can I ask you to be patient with me as I get better? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, because I want to be the best dad that, that I can be for you. And he was like, well, you're a good dad. And I was like, but I want to be better. And that's something that I've struggled with because how many people know it's difficult sometimes to apologize to your kids And I've struggled with that. And God's been like, you know, you kind of been mean. <laughs> and I was like, I know you should apologize. And I'm like, that's weird. No, right. That's weakness, God. <laughs> but there was a moment there where I just let God be God in that moment. And I was like, God, just whatever needs to be said to him, let me say it. And we have to get there, don't we? In everything we do, we have to get there where we can allow God to be God, even when it's uncomfortable and it hurts. It's hard changing our mindset, isn't it? It's hard changing our thinking, isn't it? It's hard to hear all the great things that you can hear and then go home and instantly find yourself being critical. And you're like, gosh, darn it. Why did I do that? Right? You get in the car and you just make it to the stop sign and you're already critical of something. 
right? <laughs> right? I've enjoyed this fast because I haven't gone to a fast food place and had to worry about my order being wrong. It's the number one way the devil gets a foothold in me. The bottom line is, though, it doesn't matter how long you've been in this rut of complaining or criticizing or being a negative person a lot of the times or seeing things with the glass half empty. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing that with God. None of that stands a chance to last inside of you. Okay, let me say that again. It doesn't matter how, I'll say it this way. It doesn't matter how enormous the stronghold is in your mind that you feel it is. With God, it won't stand. So if you have something in you that you feel like this is never going to go away, can I just encourage you today? Let God be God. Holy, let him be God. The obvious answer with all of those questions, honestly, is, is that we need to change the partner that we're partnered with. With our thinking, with being critical, with being negative, with all of the things that aren't of God, we just need to change the partner we're with. Because the bottom line is, if we can, we've been using our words to partner with the enemy, right? Because as soon as something negative comes out of your mouth, you're just partnering with what the enemy wants to say and do. And as soon as you're done with that, what needs to change is you need to stop using your words to partner with the enemy and start using your words to partner with God, Start to find the good things in everything, right? We good today? Okay. Somebody told me to stop apologizing for things I say. So I'm not, I'm just going to ask you if you're good. In church, we talk about being humble a lot, don't we? You hear it often. Humble yourselves before the Lord. We sing about being humble, you know. But it's not easy to be humble, is it? It's not easy to come before God humbly, always. And that's the first part of unlocking this change is is humbling ourselves before God. And what that simply means today is this, admitting to him openly that he has not been the center of your thoughts. Because how many of us can really say God has been the center of every one of my thoughts? We can't. And if I stood here and told you that I can, I'd be a liar. We can't say that God has been the center of everything we've, we've thought in this last week or in this last two weeks or in these last three weeks. We can't, we can't do that because we know that something has happened. A thought has passed through our minds or, or come out of our mouth that had nothing to do with God being the center of it. Right? And that's hard to be real with ourselves enough to be like, yeah, God, you haven't been the center. Just last night, I sat on the couch with Lindsay in the midst of, of putting this together and worrying about some other things that were going on. And, and, and can, I, can I just tell you, the devil loves to mess with my mind. 
He, he, he loves to get me to think that there are things happening in our church and in our leadership and in people in our church that isn't happening, but I'm just going along with whatever he's telling me. And I find myself getting to a place where I, I, I begin to, and as Lindsay put it, I was panicking. I wasn't panicking. I was speaking fastly and quickly about my concerns. I wasn't panicking. <laughs> just let me work through it. But the thing was, was I was sitting there and, and I was just, I'm, I'm trying to work on this, right? Talking about God being the center of my thoughts. And then I'm still partnering over here with the enemy. And finally, Lindsay was like, stop what you're doing. And I was like, okay. And she's like, let's just pray about it. She's like, let's ask God, what's the truth? And I was like, yeah, I'm like, fine. How many people know when you're in the middle of it, you, you don't always want to take it to God, right? Cause you know, the answer, let's just be real. You know, the answer and you're just running from it. And I was like, I already know. And I, we no sooner started praying and tears began to stream down my eyes and God began to speak his truth to me. And I, and I just was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I gave the enemy a foothold in my thinking as I'm talking about critical and complaining cures, right? But that's how he works, isn't it? We're doing the right things, going the right direction. And, and the enemy starts to speak in ways that he knows this is where I'm going to get them. This is where I'm going to drop the footholds. But to be humbly and come humbly before God, it's telling God, God, I'm sorry that I haven't made you the source of my thoughts and that I've either taken control of my own thoughts or I've partnered with the enemy. Now, nobody wants to say that, do we? Nobody ever wants to say, I have partnered with the devil. But that's the truth. If you're speaking things that aren't of God, you are partnering with the enemy. Correct? Okay. <clears throat> I want to forewarn you, Grace. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about grace. I'm not talking about you. But I'm talking about the grace that God gives us. Okay. I, well, I just want you to know, I'm not talking about you. <laughs> when we humble ourselves though, before God, we can trust that Jesus is going to bring us the grace that we've been promised through his death. In James four, six, and seven, it says, but he gives us more grace that's why scriptures say God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why do we have grace? Why do we get grace? How many people feel like you abuse grace? That's why I said, that's why I said, I'm not talking about you. Ron will come up over these chairs and put a whooping on you, Jake. <laughs> I never had to worry about this when we didn't have a grace that came to our church. We could openly talk about grace and it wasn't weird. Uh, <laughs> we still can. We can, right. It's not weird. <laughs> now, Ron, I didn't say that. Scott did. Um, 
Now, here's the thing, though. We, it's easy to feel like we, we overuse the grace that God gives us, doesn't it? Where we mess up and we feel like, man, I, God, I don't deserve you being this good to me. God, I don't deserve all the grace that you give me. You mess up and you know you shouldn't have done it, but you did it anyways. And then right after you did it, you were like, ah, and then you're like, but you still love me. You know, like that, that feels weird. Doesn't it? Something that we were given and we didn't do anything to deserve it. That's what it was when Jesus came and died on the cross for us, wasn't it? He brought us a grace. He adopted us as sons and daughters in that moment. He gave us this, this, we're now, we're now princes and princesses, right? Our father is the king who sits on the throne, right? And it's something we don't deserve. But he gives it to us freely, right? And he doesn't just give it to us freely. He gives it to us in abundance, right? And he doesn't, doesn't give us what we need or in the abundance right now. After he gives us the abundance, he just continues to give it to us. To the point where we can be drowning in his grace. And then we sit there and we're like, I don't deserve this. But he gives it to us generously. I think the thing though that we can sometimes fall into is that when we accept Christ into our lives and we, and we get this thing this grace that was freely given to us. I think we can forget that it stops when we get saved sometimes. And we don't realize that it's continuously working through every situation in our lives. We, we get to a place where we, we often think that, that it just begins and ends with Jesus paying for all of our sins and, and that's it. But in reality though, we have grace for everything. Don't we? Now that doesn't mean like, well, I got grace so I can just do it anyways. I mean, that doesn't mean that, right? Because I know instantly some people are like, oh, wait. So no, that's not what that means. But what it does mean is when little things do come out that aren't of God, there's grace for those things. What it does mean is when we're going through a difficult time and God knows it's difficult for us and we don't feel like being the Christian we should be, there's grace for that. It means that when we don't feel like we, we, we're good, we don't feel like, you know, I, you all know you have those moments where you just feel like, I just want to lay in bed because nothing's going right. Right? There's grace for that. There's grace always working, continually working to cover the things that God knows we're going to mess up on. He knows. That's why he sent us grace. Cause he was like, they're going to do that. Why? Cause he gave us free will and he knows we're human, right? You go through the grocery store on a fast looking for salad. And to get there, you have to pass the Twinkie aisle. I did it five times. And on the last time I touched the boxes, I went by, right? And you know what I did? I whispered, you'll be with me soon. I'm kidding. I didn't didn't do that, but I thought about it. 
<laughs> and God said, Nick, no, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry, but... <laughs> But he gives us grace because he knows we need it. In Hebrews 4.16, he says this. He says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Who's in a time of need right now? Right? So take it to the Lord and find his grace. Find his strength. Hebrews 13, 8, 9 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Can I just stop there? Grace will bring you strength. How many people feel weak today? Yes. It's going to bring you strength. And then it goes on to say, not by eating ceremonial foods, It's a horrible thing to say right at the end of the fast, which is no benefit to those who do so, right? We think to ourselves, man, if I could just have more protein in my life, I'd have more strength. No, real strength that will last will come from the Lord, right? I know we're all about our physiques, you know, we want to look right. We want to do well. It's a new year, right? How many people are using the fast to kick off your diet? Let's be honest. Thank you, Josh, for being honest. Pray for him. There's no spiritual value, apparently, in the last 21 days of what he's done. Yeah, hey, we got an inflatable baptism tub. You can get another one. Um, But here's the thing, though. (laughs) I love you, Josh, and you know it. If you don't know my relationship with Josh, he's like my second, third, actually third son. Um, (laughs) Forgot I have two. (laughs) But here's the thing though. Here's the thing though. We can all get into this place though, where we feel like I just need this, something physically tangible in our lives. And in our reality, all we need is God, right? I could go into another area, but I'm not going to. 2 Timothy 2.1 says this, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Man, the function of grace is to give us power. It's not for us to use so we feel good about what we just did. It's to give us power. It's to give us strength for the battle, endurance for growing seasons, the muscle to go through difficult times and to help overcome temptation. That's why we have grace. But what we use grace for is a get out of jail free card. We don't realize that grace is the thing that helps us get through the hard times. Grace is the thing that gives us strength to push back the enemy when he's at your front door. Grace is the thing that gives you the comfort as you're dealing with things that you don't want to deal with in your life. That's grace. But that's not what we use it for. Grace is the power to live differently every day. Think about that. 
Grace is what gives you the power to be different every day. To get you to look different than the person next to you that doesn't have grace. Grace is not there for you to survive. Grace is there for you to thrive. Grace is not there just so you can make it. Grace is there so you can get to the destination he has for you. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm making good time. I could preach next week's message after this one, I think. When you can humbly get yourself to a place with God where you can say, God, you have not been the center of my thoughts. And it's not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. He will pour out his divine strength and supernatural power. And this isn't just for, I just want to, I just want to be clear today. I know we're talking about our thoughts and we're talking about complaining and, and, and criticizing and all that thing. But can I just tell you that that is not just for that. If you've got something going on in your life that you need breakthrough for, all you have to do is humbly go before the Lord and start to tell him the things that he needs to hear. Like you have not been the center of my thoughts. He already knows that. Why do we hide it from him if he already knows? God, you've not been the center of my life. He already knows, right? Because he's just sitting there waiting for you to go. You're, I, you haven't been the center of my life. And he's like, I know. I've just been waiting here to hear you say that, right? Because God is not a God that forces us to do things. Amen. Come on. He's asked some of us to pray for people and we haven't done it. Amen. Because we're scared. That's a free choice. If he, if he wasn't a God that gave us a free will, he would just be like, go pray for them now. And then you'd be skidding on your feet, heading towards the person, right? That would look weird. But that would be what a forceful God would do, right? We have the free will to choose. And that's why he stands there and waits for us and just says, I know, I just need you to get to the realization of, you know what I know that you know that I know, Right? He already knows. We just have to arrive there too. So we know, right? (laughs) I purposely said all of that. It doesn't make sense. Don't try to figure it out because it doesn't. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) With being humbly coming before the Lord though, that's us coming into agreement with him saying, God, you haven't been the center and I want you to be the center now, right? That's us saying, okay, I have to come into agreement with you. Yes, I'm a Christian. No, you haven't been the center of my thoughts. I've just been living on grace, right? Come on. Hmm. When we do this, he becomes our power source that fuels our thoughts. See, because our thoughts can go from being negative to being full of thankfulness. 
Our thoughts can go from being critical to being thoughts of praise. Setting our minds ablaze with gratitude and joy as we tear down the enemy's fortress of negativity and we start to pour in the, strong, the, the new fortress in our minds of joy that God gives us, right? The beauty of it all is that when we begin to place God at the center of an area, the enemy has to immediately evacuate that area. The Bible says, and we don't have to go to the Bible for this. We can just, you shut all the lights off. It's dark, right? You turn all the lights back on. Where's the darkness? It's gone, right? So if you partner with God and say, God, you have not been the center of my thoughts. And today I give you free will in my thoughts. As soon as you say that you serve the enemy an eviction notice and say, you can't be here no more. Wow. In my notes, I have it written that that would just make everybody just go crazy. And then nobody, that was a moment for me that as I read that, I was like, man, is it really, is it really that easy? It is, but we choose not to do it. Right. Why do we do that? Why do we choose? Why do we not choose the easy things? We do that in everything, don't we? (laughs) I didn't say that. I, I didn't say that, but why do we do it though? I mean, come on, we can go on a road trip and like we could get there in three hours or we could take the scenic route and see a lot of the state and get there in seven. I have no interest in doing that. I'm like, I want to get there and enjoy it. Right. It's no different than sometimes we'll buy a plane ticket that has two, two layovers and it'll make our trip twice as long, but we save 50 bucks. <laughs> I just want to get there, right? But sometimes we choose the hard things, don't we? Think about when you were a kid. Did you do the easy thing? No, because we all know our parents told us how to do the easy thing, right? And we chose to do our thing. And our thing was perfect until it wasn't, right? Right? <laughs> And we do that with God where he's like, listen, I gave you the book. It's easy, but it's not easy to us because we have things that we want, right? We have things that we need. We got to look a certain way, do certain things. And God, you just don't fit into that. The next thing we have to do after we humbly become, come before God is we have to surrender and submit. Now those are hard words, aren't they? Scary words. Surrender and submit. In the world, that is not any words that they want you to use. Right? You don't want to submit, right? You're giving up your freedom. If you submit, right? You don't want to surrender. But did you know that spiritually speaking? (laughs) Hold on, I'm going to get there in a second. I have to say something else before we get there. 
When we surrender and submit to God, we are allowing him to be the sole influence of our attitudes, of our thoughts, of our words, and of our actions. That's fully surrendering to God. That's saying, God, I surrender and submit to you. Nobody else, but to you. That now means that you're allowing him to change your actions, your words, your thoughts, and so on, and so on, and so on. Does anybody think that's scary? Okay, yeah, I got one. He's like, hey, he just raised, we just want somebody to raise their hand. I'm going to help him out. I appreciate that. That's scary though, isn't it? Because we think to ourselves, we're going to lose ourselves then. I'm not going to fit into my, my social class that I'm in. I'm probably going to lose some friends. Do adults still, we still think that, don't we? I'm going to lose my friends that I've had for 30 years. Is that really that bad? Giving God that full control to where when the negative starts, you're like, hey, I can't be a part of this conversation because that's not God. Whoo! That would shut some people up in the church, wouldn't it? That's hard to say, but it's true. Hey, I can't be a part of that because that's negative right now. That's not God. I'm sorry. You want to talk about something else though? I can talk about, but I can't talk about that. That's not God, right? I don't even want to get into the, the, the well, maybe I do because God seems to be wanting to do that. What about even the words that we speak? Come on. You get into your work environment. It's easy to slip up because everybody else is doing it. You're surrounded by it. Is that really being submitted to God? Is that him being the thing that's the center of your thoughts? Like when you hit your finger with the hammer. <laughs> or you hit your shin on, on, a, on a hitch of a truck that you didn't see because you were carrying something. Right? I'm, it, I say this as a joke, but I want you to be, I, I want to be honest with you. I yell the word shin because it's not a swear word. What did somebody just say? The attempt was, is that critical spirit? Oh man. You're right. So then you have to ask yourself, then is God the center of your thoughts? Because if it's that easy to slip up and you got to replace the word, guess what? He's not the center. Can we just be, is it okay for adults to talk about our words? Like pastor Nick, keep that in the youth group. No, because the youth are watching you and how you speak. Come on. We've all been there. You don't think I've thought about that when my boys watch me get mad about something and my face turns red and then they think, oh, that just must be the way you're supposed to do it. Is that God being the center? Nope. 
but we still do it, don't we? Or we walk out of the room and people can just hear our muffled yelling. (laughs) Anybody do that? (laughs) You lay down and put your face in a pillow and yell. It's muffled, but is God the center? Nope. Last week I told you the beauty of it though is, is you can be raw and real with God and it doesn't shock him, right? But I said with God, not to everybody else, right? You know, freedom is considered the most valuable thing that we can possess. Does anybody feel that way? Our freedom is valuable, isn't it? You start talking about shutting down a church and you watch some people get just straight up mad because that's a freedom, isn't it? Did you know that wars have been waged for freedom? Declarations have been written for freedom. Freedom is a beautiful thing. Governments have been overthrown for the sake of freedom. Haven't they? Freedom. But the world says that surrender and submission indicates a loss of power. Doesn't it? A loss of position, a loss of control, a loss of rights, a loss of privileges, a loss of that freedom that we hold that value on. That's what the world says. If you submit and surrender that you're giving up those things. And when we submit and surrender, we feel like what's happening is, is that we're, we're, we're going to have to live under somebody's instructions now. Somebody, somebody's guidelines now, right? Somebody's rules. How many people love living under other people's rules? Teenagers just leave, put, you probably raise your hand for that one. Right? We hate that, don't we? Our human nature is like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. Right? If you think you don't, let's go all the way back to the first time they told us we had to wear a mask everywhere. It was so long ago. Remember back in the old days when we, we, we didn't know what a mask was unless we were painting, (laughs) right? Or yeah, only doctors wore (laughs) masks. But think about that. How many people, you don't have to raise your hand, just be convicted. How many people were like, I ain't doing that. Right? All the people are like, I'm raising my hand. Forget that. I was one of them. I'm, I'm going to claim it. Right? We, we're, I don't want rules. I don't want regulations. And what happens though, is we start to view God like that. If we let God be the center, I have to live under his rules. No, but you've got to live under his, his will for your life. He wants you to be different. He wants you to change. He wants to be able to have people tell the difference between you and somebody who doesn't know him. It's not rules and regulations. It's how he intended humankind to live with him in step with his will. That's what he created in in the garden of Eden. I'm just creating a place where I can live with what I created, where they can walk in step with me. And then sin entered in and we were like, nope. Right? 
Galatians 5.1 says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God always intended us to live in freedom. So the argument that people have of if I become a Christian, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my freedom. You never had freedom because sin has been in your life. You've been enslaved and bound by the enemy in his sin. Our whole lives. You've never had freedom. The only way to be truly free is accept the gift that was given to us on the cross. That's how he intended it from the beginning. And that's why he sent his son for us because he's like, I want them to be free and live in freedom. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. We've already talked about that verse. But you can find true freedom if you can start letting go. And this is the one thing I need to clarify, because I think this is a misconception about what we're talking about. It's okay. And I said this last week, it's okay for you to have an opinion, right? We all agree on that. It's okay for you to have an opinion, but it's not okay for you to express that in a critical way or in an argumentative way until you've taken that opinion to the Lord. Is this something I should be thinking or is this something I just need to let go? Right? You start doing that. We're going to spend a lot of time with the Lord, aren't we? Every thought be like, should I say this? There's going to be some pauses in my sermons now. Cause I'm going to be like, all right, moving on. Right. There's moments like that. <laughs> the most powerful form of warfare that we can give the enemy right now is surrender to the greatest weapon in our arsenal. And that's God. It's the best thing you can do in a fight. Surrender. Because you know what the beauty is about surrender with the enemy? What are they going to do now? Like, I surrender to you, God. And then the enemy's like, poop. (laughs) Right? What if we started looking at it like that? As soon as you surrender to him, the enemy's like, darn it. My whole plan was that they didn't surrender to him. I wanted them to keep doing this on their own because if they were, I could beat them. Now, I don't know what to do. But instead, don't we in human nature try to fight it out the best we can? We try try to just, I got this. I got this. We're going to fight through this. We're going to struggle through this. We're going to get there. We're going to go there. God's going to see me on the other end. Why don't you let God see you through the whole thing? Why don't you stop fighting and let him fight for you? That's pretty good thought. Because as soon as you can surrender to him, the enemy's like, I don't have any ammo for that. He's already beat me once. And the Bible says he's going to beat me again. I don't want to get beat now. I'm going to get beat later. Right? Uh, 
When we submit to God, certain areas of our lives, the enemy loses all influence in that area. God hasn't been the the center of your thoughts. Surrender that to the Lord. Watch what happens. The enemy will be like, I I can't be there anymore. Right? He'll try. I told, I told, I've told a few people this, um, who have gone through some, some inner healing here at the church and, and new things have popped up in their lives. The things that they got prayer for, if you don't believe me, I can point you in the right direction of who you could talk to. The thing that they went to prayer for is gone, right? Removed because they surrendered it to God. But then what happened was there's a new thing, right? Because it's an onion. Ogres are like onions. And the way the enemy has fought us for years is like an onion. You rip one off, you got to deal with another one. You rip one off, you got to deal with another one. You rip one off, you got to deal with another one, right? But the more and more we surrender to God and give God those areas that we see those symptoms in, the, more, the easier and easier it gets to let him have control of those areas. Right? The easier it is for you to be like, I surrender God because I ain't going to fight this battle. I'm not even going to waste a thought on this battle because you got this and not me. That's truth. I've watched it happen to the point where I'm like, you're a different person. This is weird. That's me saying that. Like, I'm like, this is weird. It's awesome, but it's weird. I'm so happy for you. Right? The last thing I want to I wanna say uh, before we jump into taking communion today is that we have to humble ourselves before others. Philippians 2, 3 says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Did you know it's kingdom culture to think about others? To put others before you. It's hard to complain about somebody who you've humbled yourself to, isn't it? There's a pastor in my life that um, he was my pastor when I was a, a little, a little, not a little, I've never been a little, but when I was younger and um, he was my pastor in, in, Um, the man still holds a very huge part in my life. And uh, he, he actually had his wife contact Lindsay one day and was like, I listened to one of um, Nick's sermons as I was driving across the state of Tennessee and, and uh, I'd go to his church and I heard that. and, And I thought to myself, that's the smartest man I've ever known. He's got the most biblical knowledge I've ever seen anybody have. And I humbled myself as a, as a young boy to his teaching and to, to what, what direction he was guiding um, our church, which inevitably ended up being part of my life. And I've never complained about that man. Because when you humble yourself to somebody, how do you complain about them? He told me one day, Nick, I'm not your pastor anymore. You can, you can call me by my first name. And I was like, that's weird. 
I feel like I'm cussing when I say it. <laughs> I still refer to him as pastor and then his name. It just always will be. But there's something about shifting the kingdom when you start putting others before yourselves. Well, you just, pastor, you don't understand because I mean, I'm just going through a difficult time right now. Now I, I do understand. I do understand. There's something about humbling yourself in front of somebody else and just looking at somebody in the midst of your, your trial and saying, what can I do for you? Because I've had people do that to me and I'm like, how can you do something for me when, when you're in the middle of something that's horrible? <laughs> the Bible instructs us to love others and serve others, honor others and bless others, putting them before ourselves. Isn't that what healthy churches should be doing? Is saying, I'm here for you. My stuff can wait. I struggle with that. this series is to recognize that there's a stronghold in our, our minds that shouldn't be there. And to find the way to, to remove that stronghold. If I'm just going to cut it plain and simple. To not live and continue to live in negativity, criti criticism, and complaining to move to a place where we're so focused on God's thoughts and God's feelings. And we're looking at things through his lens that we can begin to shift our mindsets, get him on the center of our thoughts and in the center of our lives and say, God, what do you want? That even when things happen that are horrible, even when things happen that you should have a negative thought about, even when things happen that you don't agree with and you want to complain about, God will in that moment be like, find the thankfulness, find the blessing, find the positive. This morning I asked Nikolai, Nikolai, can you get all the dirty clothes at the bottom of the steps and take them to the laundry room? You can all imagine how that probably went. He filled it until the basket was full and found the smallest basket possible. And there's still clothes at the bottom of my steps. And as I was walking up the steps, I just stopped and I looked and I went, good job, buddy. Thank you. And I kept walking. I didn't even pick them up. I'll do that when I go home. But it's finding those moments where you could be critical and complain 
where you could let that stronghold just spew out of your mouth. It's about letting God be the center and evicting the enemy out and being like, you can't live in my mind no more. I'm done. And to be able to find those positives so that you can start living that positive life that we're supposed to be living, right? Good things come from the Lord. The negative that you've got in your mind, that's not from the Lord. You got to check that. And when I say that, don't think I'm like, I'm not, I'm not looking down on you folks because I'm right there with you, clawing my way to get rid of my, my complaining, you know, let's just be real. I struggle, you struggle, we struggle. Hey, we're in this together, right? There'd be nothing more that I would love. And I'm going to say this and I know somebody's going to do it right after church. It's probably going to be Jack. Um, I would love it if we got to a place where in love, we could look at somebody and be like, hey man, where's the positive though in that situation? I'd love it if we got to a place where we were like, hey, that sounds like complaining. Where's the praise? Right? Aren't we supposed to keep each other accountable? Not in an ugly way. Don't, don't be that person. Don't be pointy finger man running around and be like, you do it wrong, you do it wrong, you do it wrong. No, 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 no. But in love, just be like, hey, I've been there. Where's the good in that thing though? Where's the positive in that thing? Keeping people accountable. Hey, is God the center of your thoughts right now? That would be keeping people accountable for it, right? Instead of letting it fester and then become something. Because how many people know the longer you complain, it becomes something. I had, I had, I, I just, I, I want to say this, Scott, because I never told you this, but it meant so much to me the day that you walked into my office and sat down across the desk from me. Because most people won't do that. And you said it. You said, Pastor, I'd much rather talk to you about this now while it's fresh than let this thing become something six months down the road. I appreciated that. Why? Because I don't want it to become something down the road. What if we just did those things? Instead of just harboring these thoughts and, and these, these things that aren't, don't even start as complaints, but they turn into one. What if we just were like, you know what? I'm just going to take it to who I need to take it to. You know what? I don't want to think about this anymore. I just want to take it to God and let him tell me if I need to think it or don't think it. What if we just did that on all aspects of our life? Things would be different, wouldn't they? Our conversations would be different, wouldn't they? To just humbly come and say, hey, right? God, I humbly come before you you haven't been the center of my thoughts. I hit this desk more than anything in my life. Come before somebody else and saying, I want to humbly come before you and I want to help you with what you need and all my stuff can wait. Right? Man, talk about a shift in our culture. We'd be walking around weird. 
And I like weird. But people will be like, wow, you guys don't complain? No, because we take it to the Lord or we take it to the person we need to take it to. We don't complain. We don't want that garbage in here. Amen? Amen. Today, as we close this, this fast, Jared alluded to it. If you've been doing it, you're probably ready for one of your favorite things today. And that's okay. Because I am. But today, I, I, you know, I, I had been thinking about it and hadn't shared it with anybody. And uh, Jared actually texted me and he's like, hey man, what do you think about fat, doing, doing communion this Sunday to end our fast? And I was like, yeah, that's just a confirmation of what I've been thinking. So let's go ahead and do that. The thing about communion is, is you by no means have to be a perfect person to take communion. But what the Bible is very clear on in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, Paul's writing in this moment, and he says, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so what he was saying there is, he's saying, before we even take the cup, take the bread. We've got to take a moment to examine our hearts today. I know the fast has been really good for people and God has, has opened up people's minds and their hearts to, to receive what he ha- has for them. But I just want to take a moment today and pray with you together to allow you some time to let God examine your hearts before we take communion today. So if you'll pray with me, God, we humbly come before you today and in, in God, as, as we wrap up this fast, it's, I think it's important to reflect as to where we're at today. But God, even in the midst of this series that we find ourselves in, Father, I find it just as important to examine ourselves because of that. God, I, I ask today that you examine our hearts. God, I, I pray that you examine our, our, our thoughts and our minds. And Father, today, Give us this opportunity before we even take part in communion. Give us this opportunity, Father, to get right with you. God, if you're not the center of our thoughts or our minds, give us the opportunity to humbly come right now and make you the center of our thoughts and of our hearts, God. God, I pray today, God, that as we prepare this, God, I pray, Father, that if there is anything in my life, anything in my life, God, that is keeping me separated from you, anything in my life, God, that, that, that I've not dealt with and, and, and brought to your feet, Father, God, I pray today, God, that you forgive us, that you forgive me, God, God, I lay it down at your feet today, Father, and I am sorry that I have allowed it to come between me and you, Father. God, I pray that you be the center of my thoughts. I pray, God, that, that Father, before anything comes out of my mouth, Lord, that, that isn't pleasing to you, that you keep me in step with you, Father. God, I pray, Father, that you will give me a heart 
to surrender completely with you, God. No loopholes, nothing hold back, but God, just, I want to surrender to you today, Father. God, I don't want to give the enemy a foothold anymore. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you just step in to where there's darkness in my life. God, and I ask, Father, that you give me the heart to humble myself before people. to put my things to the side and to put your kingdom in front of me, Father. God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Father, for God, your grace that you give us. But God, let us use that grace to strengthen us today, God. Give us that grace, Father, and let us use that grace, God, to, to bring us, Father, the ability to thrive and not just survive today, God. Thank you, God.